Warning! The following episode contains explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, this is Michael Spence from BrotherOsric.com, and you're listening to the Metamore City Podcast. Metamore City, Episode 8, for December 30th, 2007. Hello, ladies and gents, and Merry Christmas, or Happy Hanukkah, or Blessed Solstice, or whatever other greetings are regionally and culturally appropriate. I am Chris Lester, your host, and welcome to the holiday edition of the Metamore City Podcast. I hope that whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you are celebrating this time of year, that you're enjoying time with the people you love. And to all of my listeners in New Zealand, Australia, and South America, I am so damned envious of you people right now. I think I want to move to Tierra del Fuego or something for the next couple of months, just so I can get some fracking sunlight. But hey, you gotta take the bad with the good, right? And I don't think Christmas would be quite the same without snow on the ground and that little bit of nip in the air. So, for all you Antipodeans who are down there spending Christmas by the beach... Is it Antipodeans or Antipodians? Or Antipodeans, or whatever. You people down under there. I hope that you're enjoying it out there where it's warm and sunny and we've got waves and coral and dolphins and... Oh yeah, great white sharks too. Okay, so it's not all great. (laughs) I hope you enjoy it. And for those of you who are up here with me in the cold and the snow, find a warm spot to curl up by the fire, because we've got a fun little show for you today that'll take your mind off the chill. First off, I want to read a few emails that people have been sending me. I gotta tell you guys, I've been really encouraged by the feedback I've been getting. You know, you can work on something for years and polish it and shape it, and you can get to the point where you feel like, yeah, this is pretty cool. But when you actually give it to someone else and they get excited about it, that's when you know that you've really got something special. And the things you guys have had to say about Metamore City have made me more excited than ever about writing in this world and sharing it with other people. John Mirau writes, and I hope I pronounced your name right, John. Welcome to my playlist, he said egomaniacally. Hi, Chris. I enjoyed your ISBW piece with Kim Harrison, which guided me to Metamore. I really like the world and the characters you've populated your city with, and the previous keep that I dug around to find. Good luck bringing these characters to life, and with cool new voices, even. It's all great stuff, and something I'm looking forward to seeing unfolding. Most importantly, congratulations for being brave and finding the commitment to make your podcast. It's something I've thought of often, and not even T outing my interest in podcasting a while back got me on that horse. And I understand at least a part of the challenges podcasting makes to your life. Between that and writing and becoming accredited for high school teaching, you must be one busy boy. 
Oh, yeah, you know that whole uh, high school teaching thing? I may have some news about that in a few weeks, but we'll talk about that later. He goes on to say, When it all gets too much, just remember, we're greedy and we expect you to sacrifice blood to tell your stories. Puts hands together and cackles. Take care and best of luck, John Mirau. Thanks, John. And uh, as I told you when I responded to your message, I will do my best to provide you with a sufficient level of hemoglobin to keep you guys satisfied. Nick Robinson writes, Hi, I just wanted to drop a quick line to let you know how much I'm enjoying your podcast. Fantastic stuff. I found you from the trailer J.C. Hutchins played, and after listening, can say that you are definitely up there with my favorite authors. Episode 2 in particular was fantastic. Boy, wasn't it? Leanne just made that episode totally come to life for me. I am <laughs> continue to be blown away by the job she did on that. Thank you much for sharing it with the world. Cheers, Nick Robinson. Thanks, Nick. And yes, thank you to J.C. Hutchins for uh, playing that promo for me. It definitely brought in a whole bunch of people. I got my biggest spike uh, to date when that promo came out. A few days later, uh, the count on my uh, feed burner just absolutely blew sky high compared to what it had been before. So, yeah, amazingly enough, there are apparently a lot of people listening to Seventh Son who like to check out those promos or the podcasts that they talk about. Who knew? (laughs) Thanks, JC. You rock. Les Howard of The Signal wrote to me after they played the promo for Metamore City and he did his little uh, spiel talking up the podcast back in uh, late October, early November. I thanked him for uh, playing it and for saying such nice things about the show, and he said, Chris, it was our pleasure. I'm really enjoying it, and I'm looking forward to part two of The Muse. I think that your balance of music and effects in the readings is one of the best that I've heard yet. Stay shiny, Les. And Les, you know, that really means a lot to me. I've always been impressed by the production values on The Signal. And so to hear from somebody associated with that show that I'm doing a good job with this... That is praise, my friend. So thank you very much. Des Bartlett writes, Hi, I'd just like to say that I'm loving the Metamore City podcast. I really like the futuristic magic setting that's not quite steampunk. I listened to the episodes you released over the last two days, and I think you've got a big hit here. I think you've got a great cast of voice actors here. Leanne, JC, Murr, Christiana Ellis, PG Holyfield, T. Morris, and many more. I think it's great that the podcasting community has risen up to make your podcast as good as it can be. Keep up the good work. And boy, I have to totally agree with you on that, Des. I am just amazed at the support that I've been getting from the other podcasters who are out there. The rapidity with which they accepted me as one of their own and uh, chipped in and volunteered their time and their voices to help make Metamorph City happen. It's just... I continue to be so grateful, and you guys are all just such a blessing to me for bringing me into this community and welcoming like me like you have. It's, I'm, I'm just, I'm blown away. Thank you. And that was nicely timed, wasn't it? You know, I wish that I could read all the messages that I've been getting to thank each person individually. But, you know, that might get kind of boring for the rest of the audience, so 
I'm going to take a short break here and pimp out one of my fellow podcasters, and then we'll be back with something a little different. Stay tuned. This podcast is proud to be part of BuffyBetweenTheLines.com. The Afterlife in 5-Minute Slices. Revenant Living. The other day, as I tried for the thousandth time to get my part just right without the aid of a mirror, I realized that I missed a few things in the fine print of the brochure before I was sired. Oh, sure, being among the undead can be cool. That whole lack of a conscience thing is a huge time saver. I don't worry about having 11 items in the 10 items or less line at Walmart anymore. And tax deductions? You name it, I've claimed it. Sometimes I even take two newspapers from the dispenser, although I've paid for only one. How evil is that? You'd think that having no soul would be pretty cool, too. The upside? No guilt. No worries about eternity. The downside? I don't enjoy blues music anymore. Which is sort of the point. If there actually was a glossy threefold so you want to live forever brochure, it probably wouldn't mention the things you have to give up. Take mirrors, for instance. What's a fashion-conscious vampire to do? Did you ever think of that? When I go to men's warehouse, I have to pick a suit off the rack, try it on in the dressing room, and then buy it without alterations. If I tried to get it tailored, they'd make me stand in front of a mirror while they measured and marked. When the nice sales guy found himself staring at his own ugly mug instead of my backside, he'd probably realize something was up. Who would have guessed that the cost of immortality would include unhemmed cuffs and off-the-rack fashions? And don't get me started on carnival funhouses. No reflections means I look exactly the same in all of the mirrors. The inability to go into a residence uninvited is a huge pain. Gaining access means standing on the stoop and begging or wheedling and conniving to get in. It's like an endless game of Mother May I, or maybe a nightmare career as a door-to-door salesman. Ding-dong, eternity calling! I've had more doors slammed in my face than a Mormon missionary working in the Bible Belt. It doesn't help that I do all of my knocking after dark. Which is another thing that bugs me about having been sired. An awful lot of the really cool stuff only happens in full daylight. When was the last time the Macy's people held their parade after sundown? Covering up is always an option, but if you're accidentally exposed, you're suddenly more useful for roasting marshmallows than waving at floats. Mardi Gras is still a possibility, but the folks there are just too weird. For major pain in the afterlife, though, nothing beats the problems associated with feeding. Mortals have it so easy. There's a restaurant or grocery store on every corner. No wonder they're all so fat. There's food everywhere. The surprise is that the average weight of mortals isn't somewhere north of a half ton. For us revenants, feeding involves finding a ready source of blood. Any handy mammal will do, but that's the vampire equivalent of a salad. It's filling, but not satisfying. Taking a human, especially a young and healthy human, that's fine dining. In fact, some enterprising member of the turn should give thought to opening a revenant restaurant. Maybe a place with a classy name like Chez Pierre. Slogan, a wholly owned subsidiary of Wolfram and Hart. Reservations could be taken nightly, and the menu would include lighter fare such as college co-eds, along with meatier dishes like boxers and bikers. If you got tired of waiting, you could always take a bite or two of the Mater D. But, of course, since we're all so busy competing with each other, 
The odds are that nobody will open the restaurant anytime soon. I've heard, though, that Toronto has a rockin' nightclub called Raven. Maybe I'll give that a try. If you enjoyed this episode, check out my other essays at shortcomingsaudio.com. Buffy Between the Lines, www.buffybetweenthelines.com. And we're back. You know, podcasting is one of the most unique and rewarding hobbies that I've ever taken part in. There's nothing quite like hearing an episode when it's finished, with all of the music and character voices and sound effects in place. When it all works, it brings the story to life in ways that words alone never could. Which is not to say that it's always easy. I know this is going to shock all of you who think that we podcasters are these brilliant, polished, nail-it-all-in-the-first-take sorts of people, but sometimes things don't exactly go according to plan. They kissed once, lightly, sweetly, almost innocently, and then drew apart and clasped each other's... Clasped each other's... We stop off at the Sukumar... The Sukur. What is that? <laughs> I'm making up words! <laughs> I've been seeing things, she said. Visions, I guess. Hallucinate... <laughs> Hallucinations! <laughs> Only when I'm drunk. <laughs> Beep! Take two. Some of them are got... Some of them are gothic except... Why can't I say gothic except... <laughs> Some of them are gothic. What is wrong with me in those two words? <laughs> Some of them are gothic except God bless America. <laughs> Will let out the bleh. Abby screamed and fell backward. Scream for me, Abby. <laughs> One little scream. <laughs> Yes, scream for me. Scream. Oh, gods, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> scream first. Oh, Just scre- give me a scream. <laughs> Stand, sit about here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. You've just seen the most terrifying monster in your life, and it's standing right there playing with this girl's entrails. Oh. Okay, we're going to have to work into that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Did he recognize you? Don't know. He's seen me before, but it's not always easy to tell faces apart if they aren't your race or species. Okay, say that uh, more naturally. So <clears throat> less breathlessly. Less, yeah, le- less with the William Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Aha! Let me take these headphones off. Hold on. Now I'll put you back on my ear. Okay. Ah, I'm, my headphones are attacking me. Okay. Will tried to be a good kid. He really did. He didn't get drunk. Go, motherfuckers! You better run! I'm gonna eat you! (laughs) I'm gonna eat fresh! (laughs) And put your head in my freezer. (laughs) (laughs) The power of beer! Beer, 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 beer! Wonderful beer! Beautiful beer! La 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 la! All right, time for some more feedback. How about a few voicemails? Hey, Chris, this is Nobilis. Performing the next step in my attempt to make a comment on every podcast comment line in existence. 
Thanks for putting out a great show. Have a good day. Bye. You're most welcome, Nobilis, and thank you for calling in. Now let's see, who else have we got here? Hey, Chris, this is Mari. Um, I just found your podcast a little while ago, and first of all, I'm very happy that we have a podcaster in the Metro Detroit area. That's good for you. I live right around here myself. Um, and also, I just wanted to say that I love what you've done with Animal City. Um, I like that it's not just focused on one person and that you tell all of these amazing stories about everyone in the city giving like, all these different points of view. Uh, I think that that's really cool and I can't wait for every for each and every episode. Um, so yeah, keep up the great work. I really hope to see more from you soon and I can't wait for that. Uh, longer novel than you keep talking about. Okay, hope you have a good one. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for calling in, Mari. I'm really glad that you're enjoying the show, and if you like all the different points of view and the stories, I think you'll be pleased with making the cut. I think I have about six major viewpoint characters in that book. Yeah, it's a pretty ambitious project, but I think you guys are going to like the end result. And yes, I am still here in Detroit, representing Motown for the world of podcasting, for a while anyway. I'm actually applying for a few jobs out in the San Francisco Bay Area, so if one of those pans out for me, I could be on my way to sunnier climbs in 2008. I'll keep you guys posted if anything happens on that front. But for now, the Motor City does have at least one podcast novelist in action. Now, one of the things I asked you guys about in episode 6 was what you think we should call Metamore City fans. I had suggested street rats, but, well, you guys had your own opinions about that. So you wanted feedback on street rats? I don't like street rats. How about Metamore? Um, said well. Hey, just listening to episode number 6, wondering if maybe you can call us Metamorphite? Metamorphile? Metamorph? Keep up the great work. Loving the show. Hi, Chris. This is Michael Spence. I'd be okay with Street Rat, although I have to admit the first thing it makes me think of is the movie Aladdin. I'm going, in fact, with Tim and Tim, given the nature of, of the place. And maybe this is wish fulfillment. But I'm thinking of Metamorph. How does that sound to you? One request, please, however. I really would rather not be referred to as a metamoron. That's it. Have a Merry Christmas and a Blessed Hanukkah. Talk to you later. Okay, so, yeah. Street Rats, obviously not that popular. Sorry, Callie, it looks like your people still get no respect. Sounds like the most popular choice is Metamorphs. All three callers mentioned that one. I also got an email from Kevin Batchelder of The Signal and Escape Cast, and he suggested Meta Minions. Now, as an aspiring mad scientist, I've always wanted my own minions, but somehow I get the feeling that would be about as popular as street rats. Of course, as Kevin told me later, I said I had ideas. I didn't say they were good ones. <laughs> so it looks like Metamorphs is the new label of choice. So let it be written, so let it be done. You guys are metamorphs. 
All right, that'll do it for voicemails for today. Thank you so much to everybody who called in. I always love hearing from you guys. We're going to take a quick break right now to pimp out one of my fellow podcasters, and then we will be back with the prologue to Metamore City Making the Cut right after this. Hello, everyone. It's Christiana Ellis again. It seems like every time I try to talk about my new project, I keep getting interrupted. So this time I'm just going to get right to the punch and tell you what I've been up to. Congratulations! We are happy to inform you that you have emerged a winner of the 2 million credit intergalactic lottery. Note, to file for your claim, please contact the lottery agent at www.spacecasey.com. Your reference number for these winnings is 2 to the square root of pi plus the sum of all the digits in your 7th grade locker combination. Remember to quote this number as well as your credit account number and password in your correspondence with your claims agent. Remember, all winnings must be claimed not later than the 28th of November 2007. After this date, all unclaimed funds will be burned in a giant dumpster in the main plaza of IO Station just to teach you a lesson. Congratulations! We are happy to inform you that you have emerged a winner of the 2 million credit intergalactic lottery! So, of course, I finally get the toothbrush out, but there's no way I was using it again. What? It happened again? Son of a bitch! Look, everyone, just go to www.spacecasey.com, alright? You'll figure it out. I'm done with this. Seriously, I'm out of here. Goodbye. And we're back. I hope you guys have all enjoyed this episode. But now, my metamorphs, now is the time you've all been waiting for. I've been dropping hints about this novel here and there for a while now, and here, at last, is where it all begins, the debut installment of Metamorph City Making the Cut. Now, let me just say, there are a few things that I want to tell you about this story by way of introduction. I came up with the basic concept for this story shortly after completing Troubled Minds. I was fascinated by the telepaths and their society, and I knew I wanted to explore that culture and their place in the larger world of Metamore. I wrote Troubled Minds in October of 2004, and by Christmas of that year I had started working on a basic outline. Well, the long and the short of it is, I didn't get very far. I got stuck on it and then went on to other projects. A year later, in December of 2005, I received the Writer's Dream Kit for Christmas. This is a software program that's designed to help you put together a story outline using certain structured guidelines that follow something called the Dramatica Theory of Story. If you're curious about that, you can learn more about it at www.dramatica.com. I got a bit energized at that point, and I spent a few months working on my outline. And then I burned out again and left it alone for most of a year. You're starting to see a pattern here, aren't you? So, around the middle of 2006, I discovered podcasting. And before I know it, I am totally hooked and subscribed to about two dozen of these free audio shows. 
And after listening to Seventh Son and The Rookie and Billabub Battings, I start to think, hey, I could do this. This could be the home that Metamore City's been waiting for. But if I'm going to put up my stories for people to listen to them, I know I've got to get some more content written. So, early in 2007, I go back and start working on that outline again, and this time, I finally finish it. I wrapped up the storyline in early May, and on May 14th, I started writing that story. And it wasn't too long after that when I realized that this wasn't just going to be another short story or even a novella. This was a book. I was a little intimidated when I first figured that out, but I was also excited. And I spent the rest of 2007 working to finish that story and make it the best story that I knew how to tell. And now, at long last, it's time to unveil it to you, the listeners. Excited doesn't begin to cover it. So, here's the deal. This is a prequel to everything that you've heard so far in Metamore City. The prologue takes place ten years before the events of Troubled Minds, and most of the story's action takes place in 1995 CR, which is five to six years after that. You're going to see how Abby came to be the woman that she is, and how some of the events taking place around her helped to shape and change the Psy Collective, and the world around them. There's a lot of groundwork being laid in this story that will have echoes and repercussions throughout the stories to come, so now that you've got a feel for the flavor of Metamore City through the short stories, it's time to jump into that overarching story arc that I promised you way back in episode zero. So let's jump into it. Set the Wayback Machine for the year 1989 Christos Reckoning. It's time to hit the street. Making the Cut by Chris Lester Prologue October 12th, 1989 Christos Reckoning Abby Preston was having nightmares again. They came as voices in her sleep. She did not know where they came from, but she knew that they were not hers. They were full of thoughts about things she had never thought about. They remembered things that she had not done. They were the voices of old women and young men, of mothers and little children. Some were so different that Abby was not even sure that they were people, though they still felt the same sorts of things that people felt. All of the voices said different things, but the feelings were mostly the same. The feelings were the important part. Abby was quite sure about that. She didn't understand all of the words, but she understood the feelings, and the voices all had very strong feelings about something. Sometimes they were very, very happy, because they felt good in ways that Abby did not really understand. Those dreams were confusing, but Abby didn't really mind them so much. Mostly, though, the voices told her that they were afraid, or that they were hurting, or that they were so mad that they wanted to hurt somebody. Sometimes they did, and then Abby heard the people they hurt, too. 
Abby could not see the faces that went with the voices, so her brain made up stories about them. Abby liked reading stories, but the stories her brain made up about the voices were not nice. Most of them did not have happy endings. The story her brain was telling her now was about a king and queen who lived in a faraway land. They had one daughter, a princess, and they loved her very much. Abby usually liked stories that started that way, but she knew that this was not going to be a good story. The king and queen were thinking about their daughter and how much they loved her, but they were thinking this way because something was hurting them and they could not stop it. An evil monster was inside the castle and it was hurting the king and queen. It wanted to take their daughter away, and that made them feel afraid and very, very sad. The monster was getting closer, and Abby pulled away, afraid. She did not want to hear the monster's voice. She had heard monsters a few times, and they were always dark and angry and ugly inside. She did not want that inside her. She did not want to know. The king and queen tried to scream, but they could not make any noise. The monster had its big, ugly hands around their necks, and it was squeezing them so that they could not breathe. They tried to go find the princess, but the monster held them down, and they could not move. All they could do was lie there and hold each other, and think about how they loved the princess, and how sad they were that they would not be there to protect her anymore. Then the voices got quiet and went away. Abby woke up and almost jumped out of bed. She was cold and sweaty all over, and she was shaking. She was so scared that she couldn't breathe, so she looked up and started counting the -the glow-in-the-dark stars on her ceiling. There were lots of them, and she had to be careful or she would lose count. One, two, three, four, five. She made herself think about the stars. She did not try to forget the king and queen and the monster, because trying to forget about something never worked. It just made you think about it more. 34, 35, 36, 37. She thought about all the different shapes and sizes of stars on her ceiling. Father said that they were all lined up like the real stars in the sky, and that if you looked close you could see pictures in them, like connect the dots. Abby hadn't seen it herself because the city had so many lights and tall buildings that you could hardly see stars at all. 78, 79, 80, 81, 81. That was it. Eighty-one stars. Nine times nine. Father always said nine was a lucky number, an important number. Nine nines of stars to watch over his little princess. Princess. Abby felt cold again, but she was calm enough to breathe now. She reached out for mother and father in the next room. They would be sleeping, but they would wake up when she touched them. Mother would hold her in her arms and tell her that everything was going to be okay, and Father would make her some of the tea that she liked that had the lemons in it. They were not there. Abby frowned and reached out harder. Mother and Father were always there when she had the nightmares. They should be asleep in their beds. Sometimes Abby slept in late on Saturdays, and when she woke up they would not be in their beds, but it was not Saturday, and the clock said it was still the middle of the night. She reached through the whole apartment, looking for them, but she did not find them. Abby wondered if maybe she just couldn't feel people that way anymore. She hadn't always been able to. It had started a couple of years ago, all of a sudden, so maybe it could go away like that, too. Mother and father couldn't do it at all, so nobody ever told her how it was supposed to work. Abby got up and went over to the door. 
She opened it and looked around with her eyes and listened close with her ears. The apartment was very quiet. She went down the hall to the right into her parents' room. It was dark, but a little light from the street outside snuck in behind the curtains. She could see mother and father lying in bed together. Mother? Father? She said, using her talking voice because her inside voice didn't seem to be working. I had a bad dream. Mother and father did not move. There was a king and a queen, and they lived in a faraway land. She said, using her outdoor talking voice this time so that they would wake up. And there was a princess. But the monster came and hurt them because it wanted to take the princess away. Mother and father still did not move. Abby walked up to the front of the bed and pulled back the cover so she could see their faces. Mother? Father? Please wake up. The dream scared me. And I would like some tea, please. She looked closer with her eyes. She listened closer with her ears. Mother and father were not breathing. Oh, she said. Abby sat in the corner of her parents' room. It was still dark, but the clock said it would be morning soon. She had sat there waiting for a very long time, wondering if the monster would come back. Maybe it would not find her if she was not in her bed. She heard a sound from the hallway outside the apartment. It was a soft sound, but the apartment was very, very quiet. She reached out toward the noise and found a man outside the apartment. The door opened itself for him, and he came inside. She sat in the corner and waited. She could not hear his inside voice the way she could hear mother's or father's, but he seemed to know that she had touched him. He came to the door to her parents' room and turned on the light. He was tall and handsome, with long hair the color of straw and eyes that were gray like storm clouds. He wore a uniform, black and gray, with a little wedge-shaped hat on top of his head. He looked at mother and father on the bed, then came over to stand beside them. He had black gloves on, and he reached down and stroked mother's hair. He sighed. Are... Are you the monster? Abby asked. The man looked up at her. His mouth smiled, but his eyes looked sad. No, he said, and his voice sounded kind. No, I'm not a monster. He walked around mother and father's bed and came to stand over her. He reached out his hand. My name is Victor, he said. I'm here to rescue you. We'll be back with more of the Metamore City podcast right after these messages. Hi, I'm a Mur. And I'm a JC. Hey, I'm a JC too. Over here. What the heck? You know, we got really tired of you one-upping us in the last promo, so we cloned ourselves. <laughs> that's right, clone. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh, that's original. Ow. Ha <laughs> See, you can't geek foo us with your sarcasm. Not all seven of us at the same time. Yeah, anyway. look at us seven JCs right clone, over clone, here. Clone, 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 clone. Carbon clone. copies of the JC, baby. Oh, please. <laughs> oh. Give it up, Lafferty. I'm the superior podcaster. Yeah, well, I'm superior I too. I was a superior podcaster. Everyone knows that I'm superior. JC, if you have access to all the weird stuff in your books, then I have access as well. So? Ow! 
you remember that my book is about gods? Oh, crap. Download the Seventh Sun Trilogy and the Heaven series and look for Playing for Keeps there in November at patiobooks.com. Well, folks, that's all I've got for you tonight. I just want to say thanks for listening to the Metamore City podcast. You've helped this show get off to a strong start in 2007. And as we look ahead to the coming year, I know we're going to see even better things in 2008. Stay tuned for Making the Cut, Chapter 1, which I'll be releasing on January 13th, 2008. Until then, have a safe and happy new year, and I hope that 2008 is full of good things for each and every one of you. I'm going to leave you with this piece by Doug Bold. It's an arrangement of two of my favorite Christmas carols, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and What Child Is This? Good night, and God bless.
Some of the music on this podcast was provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Some sound effects were provided by SoundSnap at soundsnap.com, while others were provided by the Freesound Project, located at freesound.iua.upf.edu. Metamore City is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license. Find out more at creativecommons.org. as she held Abby's shoulder in one weakening, outstretched hand. You scream first, and then I'll scream. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Ah! Ah! Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Haha, I will. (laughs) That sounded retarded, but maybe, maybe. It'll work. Where are we going? Phil asked. Phil? Hi, my name is Phil, and I've just joined this story right now. Frack. I'll be back in a moment. I say walkling. Walkling. Hey, there's a new word. Walkling. <laughs> my skin is still pale, like porcelain, but at least there's warmth in me again. Because she's a vampire. <laughs> Raise my glass. You too. Just remember, I'm going to eat you later. That's kind of creepy. Ah, but they're not here. You're gonna go bite some little girl. <clears throat> I guess I know the story. <laughs> I'm trying to get myself in a frame of mind to be excited about a sporting event, for one thing. <laughs> That's hard. So it's kind of like, Hassan, chop! <laughs> and this is page nine with the... Oh my god, kinesiology? Okay, we will see if I can do this one. Kinesi what a me? I'm going to you, Psalm. They've already accepted me in their applied key. That word up several times. It's just manology, right? Yep. I didn't think it was that uh, difficult. I just didn't want it, you know, to be manology. All of a sudden, we just abandon all forms of pronunciation that we've ever been taught. Because it's cursed, the city. Cursed. I nod over at the drink that Daniel just put on the bar for him. It's turquoise blue and has an orange slice and a marish. <laughs> so he's drinking a faggy drink. <laughs> she hadn't known the answer and had needed to respond quickly, so she sent out mental connections to a dozen. To a dozen of the. No. For now, let's celebrate. We're graduating. We're champions. We're the next crop of spookies about to be unleashed on an unsuspecting public. The world is our oyster! Here, here! Hot damn. That is a damn fine story. Damn fine story.